I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors of Horizon Church, and I am so very glad to be with you all today. I want you to think for just a second about what walls are up in your life. Where is there some wall in your life? I don't know about you, but this week, day after day after day, I felt like I just kept running into wall after wall after wall. It's been a season It's been a season in my life where it's been wall after wall after wall. Walls keep certain things in, right? Maybe these walls are keeping you from something that you want or need or long for in your life. Walls keep certain things in and they keep certain things out. Maybe these walls are keeping some things out of your life that you are very, very desperate for. So I wanna start this morning. I wanna start this morning by asking you to be real. What are the walls in your life What are the walls in your life? What is it that you are running into time and time and time again? What wall have you built up and it's keeping some toxic mess inside your life that may be eating you alive? And what are these walls keeping out? Is it keeping out the grace and love and freedom and goodness of God? Be honest this morning. Be honest this morning. What are those walls in your life? I'm standing up here to tell you that I'm asking myself these same questions. What are those walls that I've put up in my life and in our world? What are those walls I'm running into in our world? I'm a pastor of a new church start in South Tampa, Florida. And I need to tell y'all that we have spent, we're, we're four years old and we've spent day, years and years and years without any kind of permanent or stable home. About a year into Horizon Church, COVID hit and we couldn't meet at all. And then the middle school where we had been meeting, we couldn't meet at anymore. So we met in the field in South Tampa. If you believe there is one, there's one. And we met in the middle of it for a season in COVID. We saw people experience the love and grace and freedom of Jesus Christ. We baptized people in the middle of a field in South Tampa, Florida. And I am so thankful for a God who brings down walls. For those of you being honest right now about the walls that you are experiencing that are are built up in your life, I need you to know I've watched Jesus break down walls in the middle of a field in South Tampa, and I'm grateful for it. We were able to move back to our home in the middle school this past fall and spring, and and we got word at the end of February, beginning of March, that we were not going to be able to meet there past the last Sunday in May because the school was going through an extensive renovation, and we were going to lose what little stable home we had to meet meet in on Sunday morning. I don't know if y'all know anything about property in the Tampa Bay area, but there's not a ton of it, and it's really expensive, and we're just a new church star right? And so we got on our knees and we started praying, God, we need a home. We need a home. And there was a guy in our church who started helping us look for some spaces. And he said, you know, we looked at these storefronts and warehouses and all these spaces. And he said, I'm, I'm going to show you the best space out of, you know, the three that are available. I'm going to show you the best space that I know for your church to meet in. And so we go to a tomato packing warehouse in the middle of South Tampa. It's this industrial warehouse, has four parking spots. So before I even walk in, I get out of the car and I'm like, God, I hope the future, the vision that you have for Horizon Church includes more than the 12 people who will fit in these four parking spots. 
I pray, God, that you'll do something in this space that I don't even know about. We walked in, we, go, we found that there's a large room about like this. The acoustics were great. I was like, this will work for worship. My husband, who's my co-pastor, we were in there and we're like, this space could work for worship. And the guy's like, oh, you haven't even seen the spot where we have for your kids. We have a ton of young families. So we have 20, 30, 50 kids on a Sunday morning. So we need a space for them to be and to learn about Jesus and, and the freedom and the victory that he has for them in a world that tells them that, that, that there's a lot of other things will offer them victory. We know at our church, Jesus is who's gonna offer them freedom and victory and they need to hear that every single Sunday. And so we walk into this space super excited about what God can offer to the kids in our church in this space. And it's, you know, a pretty big room where the kids can meet for worship. They can sing and dance before they go and, and, and have lessons from their, their Horizon Kids teachers in these rooms. And so we're like, this looks good. And, and we see these four uh, like big metal doors on the back. And he's like, this, this is where I thought your classrooms could be. It's these big metal doors, these big metal handles. And he opens one up and I kid y'all not, it's a cooler. It is a cooler. And he told me that it's gotta stay a cooler. It's where the, they keep tomatoes. And, and we're, we're not expecting to be at this space for super long. So he needs it to stay a cooler and the cooler needs to stay on. And he was like, this is perfect for Florida. It's 64 degrees in this room year round. And I was, I don't know about y'all, but the church doesn't have a super good reputation in the world right now. And I was like, this is, we cannot lock kids in coolers to teach them about Jesus. That's not a good look for our church. And so Chris and I looked at each other and we we're like, this just isn't gonna work. It was the best space that we had in South Tampa. So we went home on a Friday night D devastated. We have nowhere to go. We have no idea what we're going to do or where we're going to be. And we got on our knees and we started praying. I stood up in front of our church on Sunday morning in a middle school auditorium. And I thought, I have no idea what God has in store for these people. But we sang a very similar song. And then y'all sang this morning. We believe God that you have a victory for people here. We believe you wanna use this group of new believers in, in, in Jesus, in the freedom and grace and love that he's come to bring the world. We believe you have a victory for us. And so we started praying, even though I had no idea where we would be. We got home on Sunday afternoon. I took my daughter to a birthday party and my husband was at home. The boys were napping, which is very rare. They don't ever take naps like they're supposed to. They were napping and my husband was scrolling through Instagram and he found that Panorama Bowling Alley, a bowling alley on the busiest intersection in South Tampa was for sale. And so he sends me a text message and he says, I, I think we need to put an offer in. And so we email our contractor, the guy, real estate guy who's been helping us find a place and, and he was like, let's, let's do it. Let's go bowling for Jesus. And I need to tell y'all, we put in an offer for asking price, which felt like a, a faithful move for us, but it was a stretch. Have you ever made those moves where you're like, God, we think this is what you're calling us to do, but this is really scary. And this step is, is, is super, super scary. Anybody made a move like that in your life? Do you remember that song? We sang, God, you haven't failed us yet. Please don't fail us now. We were singing and praying the words of that song over the future of Horizon Church. And they accepted our offer on a bowling alley. And so six and a half days a week, it's gonna operate as a bowling alley. And on Sunday mornings, it's gonna be a place where people can encounter the grace and love of Jesus. We are so excited 
to get to meet people right where they are. People who just want to go have fun and hang out with other people on a Tuesday night. We're so excited that our church, a few of our people can, can go and show up at a bowling alley and invite them to experience something on Sunday morning that they've never experienced before in their lives. The freedom and grace that Jesus offers them. We're going to spend time every Sunday morning in that bowling alley worshiping God who offers us grace and freedom and goodness, especially for people who don't know how good it is yet. Amen. So we are excited. They accepted our offer. I need to tell y'all, we're going to learn about Joshua here. Joshua took over for Moses who led the people of Egypt. I mean, the people of Israel, not Egypt. They were in Egypt, led them out of slavery and oppression and injustice, just a terrible situation they were in in Egypt. He led them out of that. They were literally delivered by the hand of God across the Red Sea. There's no way they should have been able to escape that land. And God split the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. The people of Israel, this is our story. This isn't some story that was told thousands of years ago because it was cute. This is our story of our God. When we look at something and we think it's absolutely impossible and there's no way through God makes a way. God opens up a victory and the people of Israel walked across the Red Sea on dry land and were freed from the Egyptian army. This ragtag group of people who were slaves in Egypt were marching to the promised land. God told them what it was gonna be like. There was gonna be cucumbers and pomegranates, no more like working as hard as you've ever worked before to to just make it in life. It, It was gonna be different than that. There was gonna be a kingdom where everybody had, had, would know their worth and their purpose and their goodness in God. And so they walked across the, the land, but then they had to camp in the wilderness for 40 years. They ate this stuff called manna. It was this doughy white stuff. They had enough to eat. They were content and satisfied. And God told them, one day a week, you're gonna honor the Sabbath again. Those people in Egypt worked you hard. They worked you from sunup to sundown, seven days a week. There's gonna be a different way to live. You can calm down and rest. And y'all, we are in this place on the Sabbath day. And I don't know if you've taken a deep breath this morning yet, but I need you to take a deep breath. And I need you to know that God provided for them when they stopped working because their, their, their worth was more than just what they could offer. For 40 years, they camped out and they lived on the substance that God provided for them. And, and Moses said, the promised land, it's right, it's right over there, guys. There's a few things standing between you and the promises of God. Some of you feel like that this morning, right? You've heard about these promises of God for freedom and grace and healing in your life, but there feels like there's something standing between you and the promises of God. And Moses is like, just a little while longer, folks. In fact, I'm not gonna be able to come with you And Moses died and Joshua was appointed the leader. Joshua is a Hebrew name and it means God saves, God saves. I need to give you a little um, foreshadowing of what this would mean later on. Joshua in, in is Hebrew, was a Hebrew word and it's translated into Greek and you know what it's translated as? Jesus, God saves. I'm telling y'all, do y'all hear me? This isn't some wild story that sounded good to tell people thousands of years ago. This is our story about the God who saves, who's been involved from the beginning of time, weaving together a story of saving us and delivering us from those walls that are standing in front of us, those places that we don't think we can ever make it through, who's delivering us from the toxic mess that spends its time eating us alive every single day and has healing and restoration and freedom for us. This is our story. This is your story. 
We have a God who saves us from this mess and who delivers us into the freedom and goodness and healing of God. So Joshua leads the people and they, they are moving from the wilderness into the promised land, the promises of God, where there's cucumbers and pomegranates. They've lived off this doughy stuff. There's gonna be cucumbers and pomegranates. They're gonna need to, to bake their bread covered in olive oil. Like, can y'all imagine how good this is after you've just been living off manna and water for so long? But something's standing between them. The Jordan River, it's in flood stage. I don't know if y'all know this or not. Have you been in Florida in September when everything is flooded? Like even getting from your door to your driveway, you're like tromping through like puddles of water because it never stops raining here for like a whole month. That's what it was like. The, the, the Jordan River was out beyond its banks, but they had to cross it to get to the promised land. And they're like, we don't know what to do. Joshua says, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna camp and we're gonna set ourselves apart. We're gonna consecrate ourselves. We're gonna make ourselves holy before a holy God who has promised to save us. We're gonna trust in that for three days. And then Joshua says, we, men, women, and children of Israel, we're gonna march across the Jordan River on dry land. It's gonna happen. And you know what? They camped out for three days. They packed all their stuff up and God made the Jordan River stop flowing, a river that was beyond its banks and capacity. It stopped flowing and the people of Israel, men, women, and children walked across on dry land because God saves what is the Jordan River standing between you and the promises of God? Have you prayed? Have you set yourself on ground that's different than the news tells you about, that your friends tell you about, that all these other people around us are telling you about? Have you stepped and stood on holy ground, a set apart ground where you can know and hear the God who saves, who may not change our circumstances the way we want, but who delivers us and saves us and offers us healing and freedom? Can we do that this morning? So the people cross the Jordan River and as they get across the Jordan River, they've been delivered, they think they're headed to the promised land. You know what? They look up and there's one more thing standing between them and the promises of God. Who feels like that today? You spent 40 years, I don't even know how long you've spent wandering around in the wilderness and you're just trying to get to that promise of God and it just feels like thing after thing after thing stands between you and what God wants. For you, who feels like that today? I need you to know how our story ends. God wants to save us from all of these things that are standing between us and his promises. So they get right outside of the city of Jericho and they, it's this walled in city, 12 feet high, six foot thick walls. They're standing between, that's between them and the promises of God. They gotta get through Jericho. And so Joshua's like, I have, I have no idea what to do. What do you want me to do? And I want y'all to hear this part of the story. If you're looking at some wall in your life, I need you to hear this story this morning. Jericho, this city, was shut up inside and out because of the Israelites. No one came in and no one went out. The Lord said to Joshua, so there's the city of Jericho stands between them and the promises of God and they get there and nobody's coming in, in that city through those walls and nobody's going out. They're all shut up in that city, walled in. And the Lord said to Joshua, listen to this. See, I've handed Jericho over to you along with its kings and soldiers. Can you imagine? Joshua's looking at this, he's like, no one's coming in, no one's going out, they're not letting us in. I don't understand, you've already given Jericho to us, what do you mean? And, and God says this, you shall march around the city, 
all the warriors circling the city once. You shall do this for six days. With seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. How many times? Seven times. The priests will blow their trumpets the whole time. When they make a long blast with the ram's horn, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all of the people, you're gonna blow this horn, you're gonna march around seven times, y'all are gonna stop, be quiet. As soon as you hear the trumpet sound, all the people are gonna shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down flat and all of the people shall charge straight ahead. So Joshua hears this from God and he goes to the people and he's like, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna march around the city one time every single day for six days. We're just gonna march around the city and we're gonna come back and we're gonna go, we're gonna hang out in our camp and the next day we're gonna get up and do it again. What is that wall? What is that wall that you're facing right now that won't come down? What's that wall in our country or in our city or in this world? What is that wall that is holding us, holding you back from the promises of God? What is that prom- What is that wall for you right now? I need you to hear what happened. Joshua said, do the same thing every single day for six days. Some of y'all get up every single morning and you read your Bible and you pray and it doesn't feel like God's bringing down any walls. Some of you've been rolling up your sleeves and serving people in our world who need food or backpacks or whatever, and it feels like God isn't making much of a difference. Anybody feel like this wall after wall after wall? You get up every day and you're doing your job. You get up every day and you're parenting your children and they're still rebellious. You get up every day and you give everything you got to your friends and they still betray you. You get up every single day, every single day, and you do what it is God has asked you to do, and it feels like God isn't being faithful. I need you to hear what God told the people. Keep going. Keep going even in the ordinary. Some of y'all need to hear that this morning. You feel like what you're doing day in and day out isn't making a difference. Can you hear me? If you want to see the walls in your life and in our world start to crumble, keep going. Keep doing the faithful, ordinary things that God asks us to do. Keep showing up to worship every single Sunday, even when everything in the, else in the world tells you to be somewhere else. Keep showing up here and worshiping the God who saves. Keep doing, keep going in the ordinary things God has asked you to do. That's what he told the people of Israel. Keep going. The second thing that happens is he says, before one thing in that wall even starts to crack or crumble. He says, march around the city seven times. Y'all, this makes no sense. They're gonna take over this city and he has them walk around it seven times. I don't know about y'all, I do run and work out, but like I'm not gonna probably overtake a country and be ready for war if I've you know, already ran a marathon before I have to do that. But this is what God has asked the people to do. March around that city seven times. And you know what? They said, we're gonna do it because we have faith in the promises of God. We have faith in the freedom that God's gonna offer if we do what God has asked us to do. God is asking this church to do some hard things in the days ahead. God is asking you in your life to do some hard things in the days ahead. God asked me, God asked me to be a pastor of a church without a home. He's asked me and my husband to guide these people through a very like uncertain future. But you gotta keep faith in the promises of God. 
They believed more fully in the God who would give them cucumbers and pomegranates and olive oil than they believed in, in, in the wall, in the thing that stood b- between them and the promises of God. They had more faith in the promises of God than they did in the, the walls of the world standing between them. Can you keep your faith in the promises of God even when 12 foot walls, six foot thick stand in front of you? Can you keep faith in the promises of God that there's gonna be healing and restoration and freedom? That God comes indeed to save us from these walled in cities we find ourselves up against all the time? Can you keep faith in the promise and goodness of God? God's asking you to do that this morning. And I need y'all to hear me before one single thing in that wall cracked, the people of Israel stood outside of that walled in city and they marched around silently, just hearing and begging God to do what only God could do. And they stood outside of that wall and you know what they did? Even before one grain of, of cement or whatever was in that wall, before one single thing cracked or fell off, They praised God. They praised God for what God would do. Some of you are too afraid. I am telling you, not some of you, this sermon was for me this morning. I have been so worked up. Like God, once we get to the bowling alley, I'm gonna praise you and I'm gonna have fun and more joy than I have today. God, once you help my kids start kindergarten, I promise to have more joy and faith in what it is you promised to do in this world. Once you bring more people to show me about your freedom and your goodness, God, then I'll have joy and keep praising you. And that's not what God asks us to do. Before one single ounce of that wall cracked, God said, praise me. Let people know of my goodness, even before you've experienced the deliverance. Some of you've been holding back, praising God. Some of you've been holding back on taking that step that God has because you you wanna see the deliverance before you praise God. And God said, praise me before the deliverance. Y'all, the people of Israel did exactly what he said. They marched around that city six times. Then they did it seven times on the seventh day. They blew the horn and the people shouted. And after they shouted, the walls came tumbling down. God saves. God saves. Imagine, church. Imagine if we had that kind of faith, what our world could look like. Imagine. Imagine if every single person in the church across the world would get up every single morning and spend time reading God's word and praying and had faith in what it was God was doing. Imagine what this would look like. Imagine what our world would look like. Imagine what your world, what your life would feel like if you could praise God. I couldn't help but think as I read this story, 10 years ago, I was a pastoral intern. That means I was a ministry intern at a state women's prison in Memphis, Tennessee. I walked in in baggy jeans and a baggy t-shirt. I don't know what I expected. Everybody in this, that was in this prison had served over, was having to serve over a 20 year sentence. So these weren't like petty crimes. These were pretty serious convictions. And my job was to be their pastor for 10 weeks during the summer in Memphis, Tennessee. It was hot, it was humid, there was no air condition in the prison. I remember it being really hot. 
I arrived my first day scared to death. I had no idea what I was gonna experience inside those chained in walls of the prison. I had no idea what I was gonna experience. And I walked in past clanging gates, security points, all that stuff. And I stood in a chapel, a solid gray cement floor and cinder block wall and nothing but a circle of chairs and Bibles that they'd given us because I couldn't bring my own Bible inside. And 25 women sat down in black folding chairs because they chose to read and trust in the word of God instead of spending their free time in the yard. Y'all, I'm not trying to be ugly, but, but those of us in the free world, what are you choosing to do instead of sit down with the word of God and experience the freedom that God has for us? We sat down and, and we started to read the Bible together. And I'll never forget, I walked in there and there was a woman named Bessie Dodd and I literally walked in the door and she says, how old are you? And I was like, 25. <laughs> and she said, I've been in here longer than you've been alive. And I was like, oh, okay. See how this conversation's gonna go. And she, I didn't say that. I was just like this, I was obviously nervous and anxious. And she looked at me and she said, the best thing you can do is drop that goody two shoes act and be real. See, see, we can sniff through when it's not real. And I looked at her and I was like, well, you can't sniff too good because this goody two shoes thing isn't an act. It, it is really me. And maybe you could not be quite so tough as nails and, and you be real with me too. And all the women were like, oh, she just like snapped back <laughs> at Bessie. And we sat in that circle and we, we talked about things. And I'll never forget that as we read some of the stories, one of the women looked at me and she said, what you don't understand, Bessie looked at me, who'd spent more time in prison than I'd been alive. She looked, she looked at me and she said, what you people in the free world don't understand is those of us in prison have actually had to deal with the walls in our lives. We've actually had to deal with the walls that we've built in our lives, the toxic mess we've kept inside and the healing and goodness and restoration of God on the outside. We've actually had to deal with that. And y'all can cover your walls up. You can pretend like they don't exist in the free world. It's time for those walls to start coming down. I've thought about it almost every single day since I sat in there. So many of us in the free world don't have to spend so much time thinking about those walls that we had. Six months before I moved to Tampa, Florida to start Horizon Church with Chris, I got to pick Bessie Dodd up from Tennessee prison for women. She had been released. And I got to pick her up. She sat in my front seat and she put her seatbelt on and she said, all I want, Erica, is a cheeseburger and French fries and milkshake. And I said, that sounds delicious. We're headed to cookout. It's this small little chain, fast food chain restaurant, has the best milkshakes in the whole world. I'll argue with you if you try to argue with me. It's the best thing ever in the entire world. We got in my car and we rode to have a, a cheeseburger and French fries and milkshake. We ordered it. She pulls back the tinfoil on that char grilled cheeseburger with a fresh slice of tomato on it and she took a bite and tears started rolling down her face. The tears started rolling down my face. She said, this is so good. A woman who'd eaten prison food for 34 years of her life, life took a bite of, of this char grilled cheeseburger and it was so good. Freedom tasted so good. She took a French fry and she dipped it in ketchup and she started to eat it. She said, this French fry is so good. And we both just cried. The freedom tasted so good. And then she took a milkshake, first bite of ice cream she'd had in 34 years. She took a sip of that ice cream. She said, Erica, 
This is so good. Freedom, y'all. Freedom. She knew what it tasted like. But I have never, ever forgot the next thing she told me. She sits down, her milkshake, and she looks at me. And she says, I'm so glad I met Jesus, the God who saves. I'm so glad I met him in prison because it'd be a sad life to think this is all there ever was. It'd be so sad to think this is as good as it ever gets. But I know the promises of God and the freedom and healing and forgiveness and restoration of God is so very good. Erica, it's even better than this cheeseburger and French fries and milkshake. Amen. Amen. Some of you this morning have forgotten You've forgotten what the promises of God taste like. And we're going to have a moment in just a second to take communion. Remember again the walls that God has already torn down in your life. Maybe some of you have never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never let God save you from the walls you keep running into. This is the morning. Maybe some of you have been going through these motions for a really long time and you've not trusted God to break down some of those walls. This is the morning to trust the God who saves Because Jesus came, Jesus came, so even the best things we know in this world aren't as good as it gets, and we will praise him, church. We can praise him in the middle of what we are experiencing. Let this, let this be the day where you remember the God who saves, that you keep faith Even in the ordinary and mundane things of your life, you keep faith that God will keep bringing walls down through people just like you. And that even before you see the walls crumble, experience the the joy and praise that God deserves. Even before we see one single piece of that wall crumble and experience the deliverance. Praise God now. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are a God who saves. We thank you for Jesus who opens up a whole new life for us, who will tear down the walls that's been keeping toxic mess inside and will let your healing and love just wash over us. We pray for the strength to let you break those walls down right now this morning. Some of us right now have children or grandchildren or or parents or family members or brothers or sisters or good friends, God, who have walls in their lives. And we pray right now, God, that you'll you'll begin to break those walls down. We pray for our city and our country that you'll begin to break walls down. We pray this morning. We pray this morning that we will trust you to be a God who saves and then we will begin to see you break down the walls. 